Welcome to Jury Duty, I'm your host, Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina who was accused of murdering his son Paul and his wife Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a myriad of alleged crimes including fraud and homicide. Before we start this episode, a quick word about another Crime Story Media production. October 2014. Was David Martinez responsible for killing Pomona SWAT officer Sean Diamond? That's at the heart of Night Raid, a new podcast from Crime Story Media. Subscribe or follow wherever you get this podcast. In our last episode, we concluded our review of the testimony of Colleton County Sheriff's Captain Jason Chapman, the senior officer who responded to the scene of the Murdoch murders. In this installment, we begin our look at the testimony of Colleton County Detective Laura Rutland, who was the first investigative law enforcement officer to arrive at the murder scene. That's all coming up right after the break. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It is the morning of January 27th, 2023, the third day of the Alex Murdoch murder trial. Judge Clifton Newman invites the prosecution to call their next witness. For the first time, John Metters steps to the lectern. Metters is a veteran prosecutor specializing in murder trials, who was brought on by Attorney General Alan Wilson just weeks before the Murdoch trial began. Metters is in his early 60s. His shock of salt and pepper hair is parted at the high widow's peak on the left side of his forehead. For much of his questioning, he sports dark reading glasses on his head, periodically lowering them to his nose when reviewing a document. Metters wears a dark gray suit with a matching tie and a white Oxford dress shirt. The prosecutor calls to the stand Colleton County Detective Laura Rutland. Miss Rutland appears to be in her 30s. Her long straight brown hair is parted on her right. She sports a dark blazer over a red blouse. Metters begins with a disarming question. Good morning. Good morning. Are you nervous? Yes. Nobody's watching. <laughs> you are Laura Rutland? I am. The prosecutor then elicits some biographical information from the witness. Please tell the ladies and gentlemen of this jury about Laura Rutland, where you're from, uh, where you were born, where you lived, and a little bit of your background leading up to law enforcement, please, ma'am. Good morning, everybody. I was born in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. When I was about six months old, my family moved back to England, where we're originally from. Lived there until I was about three or four years old, came back to the United States, grew up in Somerville, South Carolina, graduated from Somerville High School. After I graduated, I was working as a dog groomer, met my, would-be my husband. We moved to Port Royal, 
South Carolina. He was in the Marine Corps, stationed at Paris Island at the time. Uh, then we moved to Bluffton. I decided to pursue law enforcement. I've always been a true crime nerd into mysteries and things like that, so I decided to pursue law enforcement. I graduated from the South Carolina Criminal Justice Academy in 2010 and was working at the Bluffton Police Department where I held various roles. Started on patrol, became a detective, then I was promoted to a supervisor where I supervised a patrol shift and then eventually supervised the detective unit at Bluffton PD. My husband and I decided we wanted a lot of kids. So after I had my third baby, I decided to try my civilian job, get out of law enforcement for a little bit with a better schedule. So I briefly worked on Paris Island as a sexual assault victim advocate for the Sexual Assault Bonds and Prevention Program. Realized I missed law enforcement, so I wanted to get back. So especially investigations. I first tried Beaufort Police Department, but it would take several years for them to have an opening in criminal investigations. So then I came to the Colleton County Sheriff's Office where they were seeking um, experienced detectives. And so I joined Colleton County Sheriff's Office in September 2020. And February 2021, I was transferred to the Criminal Investigation Division, where I currently am now. My main focus is child crimes, which means children of sexual and physical abuse. Those are the, the cases that I predominantly work, as well as I'm a South Carolina ICAC task force member, and what that means is it's uh, Internet Crimes Against Children, and that's a task force that's partnership with the Attorney General's Office, and we basically battle online child predators, um, child pornography, those types of cases. We do rotate homicides in the detective division among nine of us. At some point, did you work at Paris Island? I did, yes, sir. Tell these folks what you did then. I was a sexual assault victim advocate for civilians on the base. And your training in law enforcement has been what, detective? It's been various things. It's It's been uh, basic training to advanced training, um, you name it. I've attended several advanced trainings hosted by other law enforcement agencies, state and federal. How many children do you have now? We have four. And uh, does your husband work? He does. Do you work at home? He does. <laughs> you started full time with Collinson in what year? 2020. Okay. And what was your role when you first started with Colleton County Sheriff's Department? Um, I started on patrol to familiarize myself with the county. And then did you work yourself or not work out, but you become a detective? I did, yes. Okay. When was that? February 2021. Not cry, don't want the world to know, but they're going to. Where do you live? I live in Ridgeland. Now on June 7th of 2021, was you on call? I was. Okay. How far is it from Ridgeland to here? 45 minutes to an hour, depending on traffic and what part of Collison County I'm going to. Did you receive a call to respond to a double homicide? I did. And where were you supposed to respond? Okay. Um, initially to the scene, 4147 Moselle Road, but due to my long commute, it was better that I stopped at the Sheriff's Office first and I'd be the one to prepare the search warrant for the property. And who were you coordinating with? Who was your boss? That's Captain Jason Chapman. And after you'd received the call, did you confer with Captain Chapman? I did. As a result of that, what did you do? I went to the sheriff's office, prepared the search warrant, was finally able to track down a magistrate. I had to wake him up out of his bed <laughs> to sign the warrant, and I was able to secure a search warrant for the property. For 4147 Mazelle? Yes, sir. Okay. What did you do after you got the search warrant? I notified everybody over the radio that I had the search warrant signed because I wasn't sure if the sled crime scene unit was waiting on me, um, and it was still going to take some time to get out there. And then I made my way to 4147 Moselle Road with the warrant. Had you been out there before to 4147 Moselle? Never. When you went out there, did you know what your role was going to be as you were going out there? I did not.
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Prosecutor Matters next asked Detective Rutland to describe her experiences after she arrived at the scene of the murders of Paul and Maggie Murdoch. When you got to the scene, tell us what happened. So when I pulled up, I noticed there were several sled agents as well as Colleton County deputies at the scene. I was basically the last one there, and I met with my supervisor, Captain Jason Chapman, and presented them with the search warrant as well as sled. He asked me if I knew the Murdoch family, to which I replied I, I did not. They then asked me if I was familiar with a boat accident that had happened in Beaufort, and my reply was, I've heard of it, but I don't know the details. So with that information, they said, okay, you're going to be assigned as the liaison with the lead sled agent on the case, who was identified as Senior Special Agent David Owen, and that my task was going to be to assist him with anything he may need that, that evening at the scene and throughout the investigation. Again, SLED is an acronym for South Carolina's State Law Enforcement Division. And I think we've heard prior testimony, but the case was turned over to SLED for because of a potential conflict. Is That's that correct. That was one of the things my captain advised me of when I arrived at the search warrant. He advised me that SLED was going to be the lead agency on the case. And did you know Special Agent David Owens prior to that night? I did not. But see, did you get to know him and actually get to work with him? So I did, yes, sir. And let's start out with that job. When you first got to 4147 and you got your instructions, who were you going to work with? What were your observations? Tell these folks what you saw. So the first thing as I approached the, I'm sure you've all heard the kennels, was the overwhelming smell and a lot of water on the ground by the kennels. And then the first body that I approached was the deceased male. He was laying face down at an angle with his feet inside the plane of the door. There was obvious um, trauma to the top of his head. He was covered with a sheet, but I could still see the top of his head from underneath the sheet. Obvious trauma, there was brain, blood, hair, skull matter, all within the feed room and the ceiling. There was a deceased female, approximately 30 feet across from where his body was, and she was covered as well, but I had been told that they both had uh, gunshot wounds to their heads. And then from there, we located the 911 caller, Mr. Alec Myrtle. Now, did you know... If I was referring to as Paul and Maggie, did you know Paul Murdoch and or Maggie Murdoch? I did not. Had you ever seen them before you saw them laying dead on the ground? No. At that point, did you walk any of the rest of the scene? Not at that point. Well, tell the folks what you did do. We located uh, Mr. Murdoch, Alec, standing at the back of the suburban, and then there was, I believe his brother Randy had arrived at the scene at that point. 
and they were standing behind Randy's truck, oh, so they couldn't see the scene anymore. So we approached him and asked if he would speak with us. He introduced the man standing next to him as his personal attorney, Danny Henderson, and he agreed to speak with us. Um, by this point, it had started to rain, so we utilized Agent Owen's vehicle to do the interview. Now, before we get to that, had you made any other observations about bullet holes or shell casings prior to that? Yes, there were shell casings um, in front of Maggie's head area, in front and to the left on the ground, in between there was like a gravel area in between the two buildings. Had you seen what's been referred to as the feed room? And yes. Okay, what did you observe in there? Uh, inside the feed room, I did observe body matter that had been on the ceiling, as well as covered in items inside the feed room. There was a shotgun wadding on the, on the floor inside the feed room, as well as uh, droplets of blood on the concrete. Did you see any holes in the window? Yeah, there was a, a window to the back of the feed room that had several holes in it. I want to skip the statement for a second. All right. mm -hmm. After you took the statement, I, we're going to get into that. Did you go back and look at the scene with either Captain Chapman, I say the scene, seen the, the shelters, the dog kennels, did you and or Captain Chapman or anybody else have an opportunity to go back and look? I did. Okay. T tell the ladies and gentlemen, first of all, why you did that and what were your observations, please, ma'am? Well, it was such a large scene, I decided to canvas the outer part of the scene. And while I was doing that, keep in mind it was it was late at night, it was dark, so we had flashlights. So while I was doing that, I noted what appeared to me to be fresh shoe impressions in a sandy part of the shed on the left side of the hangar, what we're describing as the hangar, um, in between some tractors in the wall of the shed. There were several fresh shoe impressions. And when you say fresh, shoe impression kind of obvious but what does that mean it, it means that they have been left fairly recently what did they appear to you to be they look like a flat sandal flip-flop type shoe not particularly large in size just yeah. flat were they one set of footprints or two based on your observation it was one set of prints that looked like it went down one direction and possibly came back no doubt about that in your mind no doubt about so that. if you watch me know what was it like one set of prints going this way? Yes. And then it looked like one set of prints coming back this way? Yes, because they did overlap each other a little bit. It was with you when you were looking at this? I was by myself initially, and then I found my um, supervisor, Captain Chapman, and, and showed him what I had found. Where were y'all walk, walking when you were looking at the prints? We had made the decision at that point, due to the type of incident that it was, and we didn't really know what we had yet, to follow the footprints and see if there was any other additional evidence and find out where that person may have been trying to go. So what we did is we stayed to the left side of the shoe prints, closest to the tractors, and followed the prints down, noted that they stopped at the end of the building, turned around and came back. And I'm gonna show you what's entered the state's 194. Prosecutor Matters holds up a photograph to Detective Rutland and asks, Is that what you're just referring to? No. What does this depict? That depicts several what appear to be boot prints on as well. Is this the same path y'all walked? Yes. Metters grabs another photograph. And let me show you stage 195. Do you recognize this? Yeah, those are the, the flat ones impressions. Metters grabs two more photos, shows them to defense counsel Jim Griffin, and then presents one of those photos to the witness via the courtroom TV screens. This photo also appears to relate to the shoe prints. Okay, what's Mark States 22? Do you recognize this and does it relate to your testimony? Yes, it does. Your Honor, States 22 without objection. Okay. Submit it. 
Let me go back to what's just been entered as states 22. You said you recognize that. What is that, Detective? That's in front of the hangar, the building. So Maggie would be to the right, and the shoe impressions I'm referring to would be on the left. Metters then presents to the witness and the jury the second of the two newly introduced photos. And, and get a little closer view on states 194. Yes, that's the left side of the hangar. Can you show in this picture the prints you were talking about, the footprints? Yeah, these, these flat impressions, that ones, can you all see? Were those foot impressions you saw that night, the flat ones? Yes. Okay. Were there any other foot impressions beside the flat ones that you saw? No. Okay. On evening of June 7th, early morning, June 8th of 2021? That's correct. You're positive? Positive. And, and again, when you and the captain walked, how far were you from the sandals? A foot to the left. Don't take this any bad way. But could some of those other prints be yours or the captain's, or you don't It's possible. Metters next approaches the witness and shows Detective Rutland photos of the footprints near the hangar structure, as well as photos of Maggie Murdoch's flip-flops that were referenced in earlier testimony. Okay. And, and I'm going to do this without putting it up. This is one of those pictures that we've uncovered, but I'm going to show you states seven. You're a lady. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know what women's shoes look like? Yes, sir. Did you go and look at Maggie's shoes she was wearing? I did. Why'd you do that? To see if they matched the flat impressions I had seen. And were they similar to you? Very similar. Okay. And states 200. Metters shows the witness another photo of the flip-flops. Do you recognize those? Yes. And what are those? Those are the sandals Miss Myrtle had on. They appear to be similar to the footprints you saw. Yes, very. Now, did Mr. Harpootman or one of the investigators contact you about these footprints? They did. When was that? A few weeks ago. Did they send you a picture of it? They did. Okay, was it the pictures we just put up? It was. Well, what did you tell them when they sent you that? That those were not my impressions. That those weren't your impressions? Yeah. Correct. Volunteer and talk to them? I did. Sent you a picture of the shoes? Yep. You told them those weren't mine? Correct. All right, let's get back to uh, what you said, Mr. Uh, on the defendant, Richard Alexander Murdoch, the defendant had said, introduced you to who before you started the interview? Danny Henderson said he was his personal attorney. His personal attorney? Yes. Did he want his attorney in the car with you? He did. Okay. I believe you said it was raining? Yes, sir. So what did y'all do to get out of the elements? We sat inside um, Agent Owens with SLED inside his vehicle. And please tell the ladies and gentlemen of this jury specifically where everybody was sitting. Agent Owen was in the driver's seat. Alec Murdoch was in the front passenger seat. I sat directly behind him, and then Mr. Henderson sat to my left. First time, was that the first time you met Alex Murdoch? It was. Did he appear to you to be under the influence of alcohol, drugs, or any other intoxicant when you saw him? He did not. Did he appear to you to understand your questions, Special Agent David Owen's questions when y'all were talking to him? He did. Were his answers to either you or Agent Owen's timely? Yes. Were they subject matter appropriate? Yes, they were. Did you have any trouble understanding the defendant when you were talking to him? I did not. Did he appear to have any trouble understanding you and responding to your questions? He did not. He may have asked twice to repeat a question, but he was understanding what was being discussed. And with that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join our next installment as we review Prosecutor Metter's questioning of Detective Rutland about the interview conducted with Alex Murdoch by herself and SLED agent David Owens in Agent Owens' vehicle on the night of the Murdoch homicides. 
Also, check out the new crime story podcast, Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.